In what kind of situation, I'm wondering, are you really comfortable? Is there a specific kind of environment where you feel at ease or at home? Is, are there a specific situation where you feel comfortable in all the different aspects uh, in your, uh, the way that you feel physically, the way you feel emotionally? Do you feel comfortable, I don't know, even financially, something like that? Uh, I am somebody who loves to camp. And maybe that, for you, is like, that is the opposite of anything comfortable. You're like, I want to get as far away from that as possible. I had somebody tell me recently, she said, she said I love to camp at the Hilton. Okay. So uh, I, I like to camp, though. I feel like it's a place where I can feel at ease. Uh, when I am outside, there's something about being in nature where I can kind of think a little bit better. I, I like to be able to sit around the fire especially, and when I'm, when I'm near the fire, I feel like I've got the, the, just the, the bandwidth, and my brain can stop working on all the other things, and I can suddenly, finally be comfortable. That being said, my budget is more tent than RV, so my physical comfort does suffer a little bit. I'm not completely comfortable when I'm camping. I'm usually happy to get back to my bed. What, if we were to switch from places, what, is, what are some people maybe in your life where you can feel completely comfortable? Some people who help you to feel at home, who help you to be yourself in a way that you aren't in other situations. Who is somebody who can put you completely at ease? You might be somebody who is quickly at ease in many situations. Maybe you're somebody who is pretty guarded in many different situations. Maybe social things are just not very easy for you as well. But there are people who can help us to feel at ease. That being said, we know that the world is a, a dangerous place. There are people with whom we do need to keep our guard up. We know that. Uh, some people, it's not only a good idea to keep our guard up, but a necessity. Um, these are people that we need to kind of protect ourselves from. And I, I know that there are people that we need to keep our guard up with. Because the world is pretty rapacious. It is difficult and mean and actually full of real evil. There are people who are malicious, but there are other people who are really warm and welcoming, people who can help us when we feel harassed, when we feel bothered, that can help us to have some stability. They are kind of an anchor in our life. They can actually make us stronger. Those kind of people, I think we need more of those kind of relationships in our life, and I want to be a bit more that kind of person. Because in our in our very busy, noise-filled world, we, we need those kind of people and places where we can let our hair down. And, and not just to tell us that, hey, everything that I do and think is okay, because it is not. I need that to be checked at times. But I need to be able to be myself and to do that in a, in a way that I'm not afraid. That I know that I will be welcomed and accepted, even if I'm challenged in that space. But I know that I'm, I'm welcome and I'm safe. I'm not afraid. Somebody who I know isn't going to exploit any weakness that they find, not going to harass me. And I hope, I really do hope that you do have those kind of people. I hope that, that you can feel safe and comfortable in the presence of those friends and family that can do that. Even if you are a new Christian or if you're not yet a follower of Jesus and you're kind of on the outside looking in, if you have 
all of us have, in some sense, if you have lived in America for some time period, you have absorbed a few phrases from the Bible, even if you don't know they're from the Bible. Uh, One of those passages that people tend to know pretty well is the one that Ernesto read not that long ago. Uh, It is... um, it was the first scripture that I ever read. Uh, I was given a small New Testament when I was in middle school, and it sat on my shelf for a couple of years. And then when I decided that I was going to start trying to check this thing out, if I was trying to figure out if I believed in God, it was the first thing that I read. I thought, what should I read? And I turned to that passage, and it talks about the Lord being our shepherd. And it follows with all these lists of things that are kind of like on the top list of all the things a sheep wants. Like a sheep, if a sheep had like a list of all their top things that they want, that's what it talks about. I get to lie down in green pastures. I get to sit near quiet water, have a sip if I want to occasionally, if I'm feeling a little parched. Uh, It's abundance for a sheep. And even when I'm going from place to place as a sheep, it says that in the transitions, in those really scary times, that when a sheep is kind of afraid in its wool, I don't know, it doesn't have to be afraid because even then, You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they guide me. They protect me. So a sheep, even in the darkest valley, is going to fear no evil. Why? Because the evil from the outside, the shepherd is going to protect them from whatever evil might come. So those those sheep that are described in Psalm 23 don't have to fear the outside things, and they don't have to fear the shepherd either, which is kind of a funny thing. They don't have to fear the shepherd because the shepherd doesn't mistreat them. This shepherd has earned their trust, is spending time with them. And um, even if they're, the sheep are being taken to a place that they wouldn't choose themselves, kind of a scary place, they don't have to fear evil. They can know that the destination is going to be good. They fear no evil, it says. Not the, that the wolf that comes from the outside, no fear or anxiety about what is coming next to you. Do you ever feel like maybe you don't even know what the thing is that you're afraid of, but you know that there's probably something next And it's kind of scary. He says, I fear no evil for where the shepherd might be leading them because you are with me. There's not much that you can do to change somebody else's trustworthiness, to make them that kind of person like the shepherd. But But there is something that we can do whether we are somebody that other people can trust. Are we someone who can help other people to have their guard down when they are around us? Are we somebody who's going to warn people about outside danger? And then also, are we going to even protect them from our own insecurities? I've got my own insecurities that sometimes come out as terrible things that I say, that inner darkness that's in me. Am I going to be able to protect people not only from outside things, but even from myself? Would somebody say about you, I fear no evil because you are with me? Go ahead and put up this slide. It says, how, I wonder, how can we grow to be someone who is more like this good shepherd? And that's what we're going to look at today. In the book of Ezekiel, not Psalm 23, but in the book of Ezekiel, we're, we're going to see a situation where there are, are citizens who were not safe. They were, not only had to fear this external attack by an enemy, by the Babylonian Empire, um, but they also feared exploitation by their leaders. They feared the rapacious a- actions by their fellow citizens who were there. And um, at, you're going to be, if you were in that situation, you would long for justice. 
And there are a lot of situations for us today in our world where we say, this stuff isn't working. The leaders are not doing what we want. Other people maybe steal or take what they don't deserve. And we would long for real justice, real for God to reign in our leaders, God to reign in the political or religious or maybe even bad bosses. All the leaders need to be reined in, all the other people. We need God to do something about this mistreatment that people have for other people. And that's, that's a good desire for us to have. Uh, the good news is, I'm going to tell you, that God notices bad leadership, and God notices mistreatment by other people, and he's going to speak out against it in judgment, and he says he's going to, he intends, he is going to step in to do something about it himself. So today in Ezekiel 34, we're going to see how God is facing some of the bullies of the world. I'm, I'm going to read a little bit of a longer passage this morning. Uh, we're going to read just about all of Ezekiel 34. If you have a Bible, you can open up. Uh, I'm going to put it up here as well. But as I go through this, what I, because I'm going to read it in that way, sometimes we'll go through a little bit of thing and then we talk about it or we choose a shorter amount of verses. This one, I think you're going to understand it pretty well as we go through it. But I want you to catch some of the structure of this passage as we read through. And here's how the structure is going to go. It's going to go like this. God's going to identify ungodly leaders And then he's going to speak in judgment, and then he's going to say, I'm going to step in. God's going to identify it, and then he's going to judgment, and then he's going to step in. And then that whole thing is going to repeat one more time. And instead, he's going to identify ungodly followers, and he's going to speak in judgment, and he's going to say, I'm going to step in. That's what's going to happen through this thing. Let's let's pray before we get into the scriptures. Lord, we ask you this morning to, to, in particular, to illuminate our minds and to, to soften our hearts. Because all of us, when we come to the Scriptures, we want to have soft hearts. They will hear you speaking. We know that your Holy Spirit is at work in the world. So we ask you in particular, we invite you to speak into our world, to speak into the things that are going on in our lives, to be present in those. And we, we trust you, you're a good shepherd, to lead us to worship the Father because of what Jesus has done. We pray in your name. Amen. We are in the midst of a sermon series where we are taking kind of a fast tour of the prophets of the Bible. We're, over several years, we're slowly reading through the whole Bible. Well, slowly. Sometimes when you're reading along with us, it goes pretty fast. You have to read a couple chapters a day, I think. And we have arrived in this middle part of our Bible, in this message of the prophets, at the book of Ezekiel. We have it one more week in the book of Ezekiel, and then we have a couple, in, a couple other minor prophets, smaller, shorter books, and that will be the end of it. We're moving on to our next series afterwards, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that afterwards. I think it's going to be really, really great. Well, that's our series, so that's, we're going through this, and we're in the book of Ezekiel to give us this overview of what these prophets have said. We've already done a couple of weeks in that. Last week, we looked at Ezekiel thinking about the temple and how in the New Testament, we see the fulfillment that we are now God's temple, that God's Holy Spirit dwells in us because we, if we are followers of Jesus, if we are in Christ, we are now his body. And his, we are now the place where the temple is. It's that the, all the temple imagery from the Old Testament was looking forward to the church for God to be revealed in us. All right, Ezekiel 34, though. We're looking at this today, and we're looking at this, uh, these shepherds, bad shepherds. So he's going to first identify ungodly leaders, verses 1 to 6. This, then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel, Give them this message 
from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk, wear the wool, and butcher the best animals, but you let your flocks starve. You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they are easy prey for any wild animal. They have wandered through all of the mountains and the hills across the face of the earth, yet no one has gone to search for them. So this is referring to the leaders of the people, both the political and the religious leaders. They're kind of getting it. I will tell you, we didn't look at this in depth, but back in Ezekiel 22, if you're kind of somebody who goes and checks, looks at things after the sermon, in Ezekiel 22, he, God has already expressed his displeasure. He said, hey, these, these leaders are not doing the things that they ought to do. So he spoke more clearly there. This is in a metaphor about them being shepherds, but he, he's already been saying, hey, they are doing all of these kinds of things that are, that are breaking apart my people. And now Ezekiel, he repeats this accusation. He's using this metaphor of the shepherds and the sheep. And he says, hey, the leaders are supposed to take care of the flock. They're supposed to take care of their people instead of themselves. And he even repeats that, right? They're using the flock. They're using these people instead of actually feeding them. They're taking the wool. They're doing all that. And they're, so they're happy to take their money. They're happy to take whatever they're willing to give them. But there's, they're not giving anything back to them. There's kind of some basic expectations that a sheep can have for their shepherd. They're supposed to look after them. They're supposed to help them out when they're stuck. But they haven't been doing any of that kind of thing. I've seen some great videos online about shepherds like pulling sheep out of holes that they fall into. I didn't know this was a big problem, but apparently it is sometimes. That's a basic expectation that a sheep can have for their shepherd. But they have instead, what have they done? They've ruled them harshly, brutally. They're acting like bullies. I, I kind of hesitate to use that term. Uh, it's been a bit overused at times, I think. But it means somebody who oppresses others when they're a leader. Or it means that somebody who is intimidating or pushing somebody around when they're a peer. And we're going to see that in a minute. So we're going to see that these, these leaders are bullying and abusing the sheep. And the result is actually that the sheep are more scattered than before. And they're, they're more vulnerable to attack. All right, that's, that's the first bit. So we identify these are bad, these are ungodly leaders. Next, we're going to see the accountability part, this judgment, verse 7. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you abandoned my flock. It's his flock. It's not theirs. They're treating it like it's theirs. It's his flock. And you left them to be attacked by every wild animal. And though you were my shepherds, you didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. You took care of yourselves and left the sheep to starve. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I now consider these shepherds my enemies, and I will hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. This, you know, as a pastor, I don't like to read this kind of stuff. This is not great. Feel like I might be aimed at a little bit in that. Um, okay, I hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. I will take away their right to feed the flock, and I will stop them from feeding themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. The sheep will no longer be their prey. 
which is a terrible, terrible. This, this shepherd has been seeing the people as their prey rather than being the caregiver. So God is completely unequivocal here. He's like, I am against them. They are going to be held responsible for this. There is judgment in line for these shepherds, these leaders of all different types who have, for what they've done and also for what they've not done, you are going to be held responsible for that. All right, third thing now. God's going to step in. God is going to be the shepherd. Verse 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd. I'd love for you to listen to all the eyes. I will, all the I wills in here. I will be like a shepherd searching for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the peoples and the nations. At this point, there were people being taken off into exile. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who have strayed away, and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak, but I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them. Yes, feed them justice. So God now stepping in, and he's saying, this is what leadership is supposed to look like. I'm going to do all this stuff that you guys were supposed to have been doing, but I'm going to do it now. There's, and all those I will statements, we see that God is the one who's doing that. He's going to be the one who's like a shepherd for his flock. I'm going to rescue them from the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out of the nations. I'll bring them into their land. I'll pasture them in the mountains of Israel and the ravines. And, and, and you probably heard it when you heard it. And it sounds a lot like Psalm 23. Maybe you heard some of those echoes. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, says the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I'll bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. I will shepherd the flock with justice. So God is this shepherd who looks like Psalm 23, stepping in. You know, sheep were more common back then. People knew about shepherds and sheep, and it was a, a common... It, idea. I wonder if it were written today. I don't know. Maybe um, this would be about the mechanic and how you're supposed to take care of your car. I don't know. I, we don't need to go too far down that road. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I will change the oil. Yeah. Um, um, all right. So, all right. Part two. So the prophets, these prophets again and again, throughout all of these books of the prophets, they have been against these religious and political leaders, not only because they have abandoned their duty for what they were supposed to do, they're supposed to do that, but also they, the things they have done, they have been abusing people and using them. Uh, they, and even more, the things that they do end up influencing other people. The, the, the stuff that these other leaders do ends up shaping the whole life of their nation, of the church, of their, well, of, their, of the synagogue, of the, of the temple at that time. But it, it ends up influencing. And we've seen that in our world, that our, the way that our leaders go, that it does influence other people. And we see that principle at work here in Ezekiel 34. Because what happened with the leaders that we just looked at just a moment ago is going to now happen and be reproduced in the sheep, in the people. And we're going to see this repetition of these three steps. He's 
is going to identify these ungodly followers, then there's going to be judgment, and then God's going to step in. All right, verse 17. And as for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says to his people. I will judge between one animal of the flock and another, separating the sheep and the goats. Isn't it enough for you to keep the best of the pastures for yourselves? Must you also trample down the rest? Isn't it enough for you to drink clear water for yourselves? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Why must my flock eat what you have trampled down and drink water that you have fouled? So we see this jostling of the sheep. He says, boy, people, we treat each other like that, don't we? We're, we're, ha- we're not only happy to get something for ourselves, we, we want the other person behind us to not have it as good. We want somebody else to, they can, they can have something too, but it just can't be as good as mine. Or I, I'm willing, I'm going to go my way no matter what happens to them. I'm, gonna, I'm going here. I'm taking that parking spot. I don't care how much of a limp you got. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is, we trample each other and muddy the water. We're willing to run over people to get where we need to get going. So we identify that there are these ungodly people. So, next step. There's some accountability and judgment. Verse 20. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will surely judge between the fat sheep and the scrawny sheep. For you fat sheep pushed and butted and crowded my sick and hungry flock until you scattered them to distant lands. So I will rescue my flock and they will no longer be abused. I will judge between one animal of the flock and another. So this, he's saying, hey, this stuff isn't going to go on for forever. I, I know what is happening. It's not just the leaders. That everybody, we're doing that, that same thing. And now God is going to step in. God's going to be the shepherd. Verse 23. And I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. David had been the great king of Israel that all the other kings had uh, descended from. And throughout Scripture, it looks forward to this one who is going to be in the line of David who is going to come. He will feed them and be a shepherd to them. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be a prince among my people. I, the Lord, have spoken. Skip a couple verses, go to verse 30. In this way, they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them. And they will know that they, the people of Israel, are my people, says the sovereign Lord. You are my flock the sheep of my pasture. You are my people, and I am your God. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. So God goes through that same thing with these people, and he says, listen, there's going to be judgment, and then he's going to end up stepping in. So there's identifiable injustice in the world. We can see that. God is going to judge that, and then God's going to step in to lead so let's use those things now to, to say, what should we expect as we walk around in the world? What should we expect to find? And what we're going to find is that we're going to find that there is bad leading and bad sheeping. And God's going to condemn that, but God's going to step in and lead. All right, first thing. All right, so we're going to recognize, first of all, we should expect that we're going to be able to identify good leading and, or bad leading and bad sheeping. Um, So we can identify it. In Ezekiel's metaphor, uh, ungodly sheep were the fruit of ungodly leaders. And if we follow that chain on up, if we follow from these ungodly uh, followers, ungodly leaders, well, they're following something ungodly. 
that that's where it comes from. It's the fruit of following powers of darkness, really just kind of giving in to our own passions or just our own desires to go do that thing rather than following God. I, I think this is one of the most objectively identifiable or, or uh, verifiable I, items in the Christian faith is that we say the world is kind of broken, and the reason, we, the reason why is because of sin, but it's not, I don't think it's that hard for us to find evidence that the world doesn't always work the way it's supposed to, that our leaders don't always look out for other, uh, anyone else beside themselves, that other individual people, we don't either, we think we're so much better, but if we don't always do that either, that the world doesn't work the way it's supposed to. So it, we should expect that we're going to see brokenness in the world. If we follow the way that Ezekiel sees it, and we can observe those kind of things happening in our world. But the passage isn't just about leaders. It's not just about church leaders. It's not just about political leaders, because we are all leaders in some sense. We, we lead some aspect of our life. We, we lead the way that we spend our own money, or the way that we spend our own time or, or energy. And the question could be asked, hey, are the ways that we are doing those things, even in our small little domain, are, are all those things self-centered, or are they at all turned outward to care for others as well? Because God is warning those sheep too. He's, he's warning that he's going to judge them. Uh, he's, he's warning that our tendency to try to step on other people to get ahead, uh, to nudge other people out of the way, uh, or just to be so self-focused that we don't see the injuries of the other sheep around us, uh, that that is, that is this type of bullying, and he doesn't want that. So when we read about the sheep pushing each other around, I don't know if you had this experience. I had it the first time I read it. I thought, yeah, those sheep shouldn't do that. That's not good. But I kind of let myself off the hook a little bit on that. And I, I realized, hey, listen, a bully doesn't always have to use force in order to push other people around. It doesn't have to be physical force to do that. Maybe it could be coercive or manipulating words. Uh, maybe, for example, you have a strained relationship with your, uh, we'll just say with your father-in-law or something like that. Um, you see that they have never actually threatened you, maybe, but somehow with a word or two, they can make you feel two inches tall. That's the type of bullying. Or if a parent sets up a situation where you can never win, uh, you're darned if you do, darned if you don't, that's a type of bullying. Or maybe even just as grandparents, you, you kind of, it can be subtle. There's a little subtle competition between grandparents. You're like, oh, so your other grandparents took you to ice cream, huh? Well, that's, that's nice, but remember that Grammy and Grampy took you to Six Flags last week. <laughs> right? So it's easy for us to use our words to kind of jostle and bump, right? Like, they're good, but I'm a little better, right? We push. We push. That's how it goes. So you and I, we've probably all experienced that kind of jostling. And frankly, we kind of dish it out, too. It's easy for us to bully other people without even saying a word. You know, we, I, you can give a scathing reproach of somebody without saying a word and just giving him a look of your face or a roll of your eyes to dismiss people. So if we're really honest, if we're going to be honest, we have to know that, that we all have a bit of that spirit of the bully in us that kind of wolf-like tendency to come after other sheep. It's in us. But the question can be asked, hey, when other people see us, do they see what Jesus is like as a leader? We are followers of Jesus. When they see us, do they see what Jesus is like as a leader? Or they, do they just see a reflection of the same tired, run-down way of the world that everybody else does? 
When they see us, they should see what Jesus looks like as a leader. Second thing that we should expect in the world that we see is that God is going to judge bad leading and bad sheeping. <laughs> All right, so God is giving a warning uh, both to the leaders and to these bully sheep alike. He says, hey, I'm going to hold you accountable. I, I'm going to hold you accountable for what happens to this. The, the people who oppress and abuse and use other people, uh, it, it is, it's a fearful thing for us to consider that God is against these things. And obviously this does apply to pastors and staff of the church. Uh, we are going to be called to account for what we do or do not do. He says, I will hold you the responsible for what happens to my flock. Because God's going to stand up to self-serving leaders wherever they are. Just because you wear religious garb doesn't mean you're exempt from that. God's going to stand up to them and stand up to neglectful leaders too. Uh, I, got, I got bad news for you too. If you're on our leadership team, there's eight of us on our leadership team. Uh, maybe we didn't make this really clear. Um, but if you're on the leadership team, there's a little bit of a challenge to you here too. Uh, we're supposed to look after the sheep. To be there to strengthen the weak and heal the sick and bind up the injured. Bring back the strays. And so we're going to, if you're not on leadership team, let's pray for people who are, who are doing that. You can be a part of that as well. We're all part of binding each other's wounds. Because we all have shepherding responsibilities. You know, you, even, even if you're, you're new to the faith, you are a neighbor. You are a part of a family. You have friends. You have coworkers. Uh, maybe there are even employees that report to you. You're a boss at work. Uh, you are a shepherd and responsible. How can you tie, help heal the sick and bind up the injured, bring back the strays? Because we're going to be eventually called to account for the things that we do to mistreat other people. Maybe things that we don't do to proactively care for them as well. I don't like, I don't like to think about that part. I don't like that. But it's uh, helpful. We're going to get to the next bit. But I'll say, you know, when we think about God's judgment in general... Uh, we need to recognize that there is a part that is kind of like a, a, a scary judgment part. But I'll also say, you know, there's a, there's a certain consolation that comes with that as well. Uh, there is a consolation. There's a warning, but there's a consolation. If you have been at Simicov for a while, you're not going to be as surprised by this. But if you're new, you might, this might surprise you to, for me to say that God's judgment is, can be a consolation to us. It's a consolation because it means that God's not going to allow injustice in the world to continue forever. That there's a day when that stuff will end. Whatever is wrong will end. People who are lying, it ends. Somebody who has mistreated you, if you have been treated unjustly, there will be someone who is called to account for that. It won't continue for forever. And there is going to be healing for that as well. Because God's going to put it to an end. So if you have been a victim, it's not going to go unpunished. God is going to heal that and he's going to make it right. And even in the injustice in our own lives isn't going to continue for forever. You experience the weakness of our bodies and all that stuff. The, the, the good news is that God is going to put an end to that. And uh, all the thousand things that plague us are going to be put to an end. So uh, when we think about God's judgment, it isn't all scary and bad. It's actually really, really good news. All right, last thing. The final thing that we should expect is then for God to step in. Right? We said that God is going to step in and do something. And he said that more than once. And God did fulfill this. God fulfilled Ezekiel 34. Because our good shepherd has a name. Jesus of Nazareth. The Messiah. 
As I've been going through this, you probably thought to yourself, you thought, I hear some echoes of things. The thoughts about the connections to the shepherd have already occurred to you. We have a couple of verses. Jesus said this. This is in Matthew 9.35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And what does he do? Healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And here he is coming to heal them, to seek after them, to to want to be the one who would care for these sheep who have been scattered and who need a shepherd. And here he is. And it's it's the the description that we have throughout the, the Gospels as this guy, Jesus, who goes around looking like a good shepherd. He teaches people. He confronts bad people. And he helps people to confront the insecurities and brokenness in themselves. He's willing to face that evil, but he also does it in a kind way that allows people to say, I can be me around you. Jesus says this in John 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He says, that's the voice of evil in the world, but I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. I think he's saying, hey, Ezekiel 34, that's talking about me. I am here. I am the good shepherd. The the one in Psalm 23 who says, the Lord is my shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And you know what he says? The good shepherd doesn't steal things from other people. I don't take from you. God isn't trying to get something from you. God wants to give something to you. I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He shows us what leadership should look like. And the best leader the world has ever seen is the one who didn't take from other people. He gave his life for them. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Because it's on the cross that Jesus showed what it looks like to be a good shepherd. That he was the one who was willing to go and die in our place to face down evil. And the cross is actually a really powerful image of the good shepherd facing down the bully because he faced and defeated, it says in Scripture, it says he defeated the powers of evil. The greatest bully of all is Satan himself. He's the thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy. But on the cross, sin was condemned. God said, that is judged. I face that judgment. And the reality is, hey, we, we haven't just been affected, though, by outside evil. We need to turn that away. But on the cross, we also have to admit that we are sinful. We see that Christ needed to die for us. There's a bully inside me, too, and it's inside you. It's in us and because we're the sheep that will push and bump other people to get our way. And so Jesus, he is this engaged, good shepherd. He doesn't abandon people who are under his care. He doesn't give up. He never abdicated his responsibility as a shepherd. He did everything he needed to do. There is a, there's a writer named uh, Edwin Friedman, and he talks about leaders who kind of fail, who don't do what they're supposed to do. And he talks about a couple different places where we fail. He says, we can oftentimes have, either have a failure of nerve or a failure of heart. A failure of nerve is where we know what's wrong, and we just are kind of too chicken to do something about it. The, the stakes are too high. You know, if I say something like that, somebody's going to give me a hard time or maybe there's going to be some backlash. I don't know what I want. We end up chickening out. 
So there's a, we have a failure of nerve to do that thing that we know we're supposed to do. The other, th- the other way that we would not do what we're supposed to do is a failure of heart. And a failure of heart is where we end up losing our drive. We say, you know what? Everything I do, it doesn't matter anymore. Why should I keep trying? I don't want to keep doing those things. So we don't want to have a failure of nerve or a failure of heart. And Jesus didn't have either. He faced, he had the nerve to face when he needed to face. He had the heart to face the, the weight of the world, to bind up our wounds, to let people go to good places to eat. So he was the selfless leader. I, I fear no evil, for you are with me. I fear no evil. So I have a challenge for us this week. I, I want us to think about being like our chief shepherd. So ask ourselves this question. In different situations during the week, I want to know, are you acting more like the bully or more like the shepherd? Because if we're left to ourselves, the world acts a bit more like abusive shepherd or abusive sheep than to be a person of the cross. We, our shepherd is the one who gave his life for us. He says that's what real leadership looks like, is this selfless love. Gave himself up for the world. A special challenge to husbands, I will say. One place in Scripture where it says you're supposed to love like Christ, love the church, it says, husbands, you're supposed to love your wife like Christ loved the church. He gave his life up for her. It's in concrete acts of love, a kind of inconvenient concrete acts of love is what this is going to look like. It's going to be inconvenient. So what I'm asking for you to do here, I'm not, I'm not asking for you to try to like force yourself to be like a shepherd. I'm just asking even for us to notice Just notice this week, am I acting more like the shepherd or more like the bully? I'll tell you, the danger of being a pastor is you think this stuff ahead of time, and then as you're driving around town, you catch yourself acting like the bully. It's not nice. It's not nice. It's not nice. Um, So we we are not going to be like this just by trying to act, act better, by just trying harder. I'm not asking for you just to try harder. I'm asking for you to do is to recognize the bully leader in us, to recognize the bully sheep. And then what we are supposed to do as Christians, we're supposed to ask the chief shepherd to face those things for us. Because he's the one that we don't, have to, we don't have to fear evil because he's with us. We're not the ones who are doing it. It's not by you getting stronger. It is the shepherd's role to face the bully. He is a trustworthy shepherd, and he's willing to face evil in the world and the evil in us, the bully that's inside of us, or even you know, the things that we face outside. We get intimidated by other people. Uh, we, we want their approval, and so we allow ourselves to, to be scared of those things. But Jesus is the one, like Ezekiel 22, he was willing to stand in the breach of the wall. He is the shepherd who is brave, and he's willing to face that. Because I will tell you, the presence of the shepherd helps us to face the bully because we are not the ones doing it. He is the one doing it. And I, I, I got to say, imagine for a minute, if we are even just self-aware enough, self-aware enough to do this, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be wonderful if everyone acted this way, even just to ask the question, how am I acting right now? I think, I think if people were willing to be self-aware enough to ask this question, let's just start right here. I think we would be a lot more safe. I think we'd be a lot more safe with each other. We'd be able to to be ourselves with each other. Because we're not going to jump all over somebody. We're not going to to harass them. They can be safe 
with facing those things in themselves. I'm more willing to face those things in myself when I'm in the presence of such a good shepherd. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being this one, Christ who was sent to be our good shepherd to die for us. I think for many of us, maybe we need to even decide now to ask God to be our shepherd. I want you to take a moment, even if you've been a Christian for a long time, I think it's purposeful, it's really wonderful to purposely ask God to say, I need you to be the one who teaches me how to do this. And good shepherd, we, we ask you also to save us from evil, from the evil that's out there and the evil that's in here. You are the good shepherd who faces down the bully. Will you be our shepherd, Lord, we pray.